All right, ladies and gentlemen, sports fans from far and wide across the globe, wherever you're tuning in from today, uh, Patrick Demar here with the commissioner himself, Mr. Paul Kashak, uh, a longtime friends, colleague, sports enthusiast, craziest better I know, one of them at least, uh, and of course the best commissioner known to mankind in the world of fantasy football. Paul, pleasure to see you again. Pleasure to have you. Uh, it's been checking my watch probably about a year and change since we last did this but it's good to be back for sure that's about right i appreciate you having me patrick it has been too long looking forward to uh to get back into things and talking some sports with you so damn straight too long indeed but alas let's not wait anymore um we are in the middle of october so we've got kind of a full slate of sports coming up uh nhl and nba have just about start their seasons and nhl already started nba starts up next week um we're in full swing for football which is great mlb playoffs uh also in full swing pun intended there for sure um let's start off with some football um we've got a fantasy football league that that you and i in i mentioned you're the commissioner of it we can talk more about that later but um overall the nfl we're five or six weeks into it now it's it's six, six right six weeks Three yeah weeks, six, yeah it uh it's crazy i feel like it's flown by um february is already only a few months away and we've got some um i think some perennial favorites at least from last year that have started off really well but we've also got some uh teams kind of on the come up we've got a few surprises here uh as well who's been in your minds uh the biggest surprise so far of the season whether it's a team or a player, um, someone that's really just spiked your interest and, and that you hope continues to succeed throughout the rest of the season. Um, I think that this is kind of an easy answer, but the how good the Dolphins look is surprising. I think we a lot of us thought that they would be at least solid. I mean, they were a seven seed in the playoffs last year. They snuck in, but Tua looks way better. It looks like he has gotten way better from last year. I thought last year we still saw him under throwing a lot of deep balls, especially to Tyreek, and that's not happening at all this year. Guys are flying wide open on that team. I mean, they're fun to watch. They put up 70 against the Broncos. So I guess just how good they've looked. Um, I really still thought the Bills would be the top dog in the AFC East coming in, um, and that was even before Aaron Rodgers went down with the Jets. But um, the Dolphins are doing everything they can to uh, to nix that notion, um, in my opinion. And so. They're my biggest surprise. A couple of other teams uh, stand out to me that are just kind of hanging around that I didn't think that they would. Uh, I like what the Rams are doing. Uh, they, they found some young talent. Puka Nakua has been a, a nice, strong receiver for them, and their offense looks pretty solid as well. Um, and then the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield's looked okay from them. They're leading the division in the NFC South, which probably won't be too strong again, but I had uh, Tampa Bay pegged as probably one of the worst teams uh, in the league coming into this year, and they're starting to prove me wrong so far. So th those are the three teams that really stand out to me. How about yourself? I'm going to work backwards from the three teams mm -hmm. that you mentioned, and then I'm just going to add in maybe one or two to the mix from there. So I'll start with the Bucks. I actually had them as my favorite to win that division going into the year. What I thought was I don't think that New Orleans, who in my mind was really the other favorite, had enough they had a great defense, but I don't think their coaching and their quarterback play is really strong enough to secure their division. Now, that's not saying Baker Mayfield's some worldly talented quarterback, but they have a lot of pieces left over from that Super Bowl that was just a couple of years ago. Baker looks healthy playing for the first time since maybe his first year in the league, first or second year in the league. 
Uh, he looks really comfortable with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Um, they still need to get a little bit of a run game going, but the defense looks pretty good so far. They had that really close game with the Lions a few days ago. Um, I'll touch more on the Lions a little bit later. They're, they're my biggest uh, surprise team. Um, but, yeah, I love what the Bucs are doing so far. Um, that division isn't the best, and New Orleans is going to play really tough for the rest of the year. Um, they've got a game this week, I believe. They lost to the Texans last week, New Orleans did. Uh, they've got a game this week against the Jaguars tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. And that could be another tough game. They're going to be at home. Uh, I think they're favored right now by one and a half, if I'm not mistaken. So that could be a bounce back game for them that they'll definitely need. Um, a lot of three win teams in that division right now. The Bucks are in first place only because they're three and two as opposed to three and three for the Falcons and Saints. Uh, the Rams, you mentioned, um, I think a lot of that has to do with Stafford being back and healthy as well. I don't know what happened last year, whether it was McVeigh kind of taking an off year as a coach, or um, obviously they were missing some guys. Cooper Cup was out for the year and they had some health issues, but their offense looks reinvigorated. And I, I think. McVeigh is almost kind of having like a like a show me year sort of trying to say like I'm not done I can still do this I want to be here I want this team to succeed sure it's not the star-studded team that it was a few years ago with Jalen Ramsey and, and so on and so on but um, I think they're still going to be competitive they're not going to go down easy in any games and um, you know maybe maybe they might even sneak into the playoffs at the end I don't think it's impossible um, I, I think, think they could, could be the second best team in that division. You know, yeah. Seattle, Seattle's a little up in the air. Obviously, San Francisco's the top dog there, but you could see them snagging a, a late wild card. For I mean, sure. you look at the NFC right now, the, the Eagles, the Niners are definitely in it. The Lions, you have to put in there. You need four other teams from that. The Cowboys are probably going to be in the mix. Um, you have your NFC South division winners. So that's two other teams. If you're telling me all they have to do is be better than, uh, the Seahawks, two or three teams out of the Seahawks, the Commanders, and then one other NFC South team, I think they can do it. Um, it's going to be tough. It's really going to come down to whether or not they can stay healthy, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I wouldn't say it's impossible. I don't hate their chances. Um, it'll be cool to see them again um, in the postseason this year, but we'll see. And uh, the final team you mentioned, the Dolphins. Um yeah, obviously, just a juggernaut so far. Uh, they put up 70 against the Broncos. Obviously, they lost that game to Buffalo, and I actually still think Buffalo has a chance to win that division, a pretty good chance. They actually lead the NFL in point differential right now, but Miami leads the league in points scored. So um, different things there. Pick your side. Um, I, I, very think, I definitely think you very well could see Miami win the flip side of that matchup in Miami later in the year. Um, I... I'm happy to see their success. It doesn't surprise me with Tua being healthy and with how much work I heard they put in uh, into their playbook over the year. I saw an interview that um, Brian Baldinger did today, uh, Baldy Breakdowns guy who does all that on Twitter, who said he sat in on a Miami practice at one point over the summer where they ran the same play action play over and over and over again for like an hour. So I think whatever routine they have, whatever um, Mike uh, Mike McDaniel has done to ingrain in the brain of those guys what they need to accomplish as an offense every given week. They're firing on all cylinders. Um, it's just going to be a question of whether or not somebody else can maybe find a way to stop them. Um, I'm not going to list a bunch of teams. The only team I really had listed as my big um, surprise uh, right now would actually be the Lions. 
I think they're a fan favorite right now. Jared Goff is playing some of the best football I've seen him play since since he played in the Super Bowl back in 2019, maybe even before that. Um, offensively, they are creative and they execute. Dan Campbell has those guys fired up week to week. Um, they've got some talented guys on the defense as well. Aiden Hutchinson leading the NFL in pressures. Um, I really think you could see them certainly run the table in that division, maybe beating everybody in that division once or twice. Um, the only team I think can really give them a run for their money would be Green Bay at one point. Maybe they split with them. But I don't see them having any issue with Minnesota or with Chicago. Um, they already beat Tampa Bay. They've got a grudge match uh, this week against the Ravens in Baltimore. Baltimore has one of the best defenses in the league so far. I think that's going to be a big test for them. Um, but, I mean, what else more do you want from them this year? They started off the year with a win against the Chiefs on opening night. They've played great so far. They're 5-1. and one. Their schedule the rest of the way isn't too terrible. Honestly, this Ravens game is one of the toughest games they have left outside of the game in New Orleans mid-year. And then they play the Jaguars at home later in the year. They also play on the road against the Cowboys. Um, that's the second to last week of the season. So I think they have a really good chance. It's going to come down to playoff time as well, uh, ultimately to see whether or not they have the experience to, to make it through that gauntlet in the playoffs. But you win a few more games here, man, and maybe if if Philly or San Francisco slips up one more time, they have an outside shot at the one seed. Um, you might say I'm crazy. You might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I don't think I'm all that crazy by any means. Uh, just look at their schedule the rest of the way. They don't really have many hard games. They just got to win their divisional matchups and, and a couple 50-50 games, and I like their chances. Yeah, well, the one seed, you know, it is the number one seed, the team with the best record, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that's the the best team. A lot of times it plays out where it's the team that kind of has the easiest road and not to take away from what they're doing. But you're right. There's a lot of uncertainty. If you look in the rest of their division in the north, uh, Jordan Love is still unproven. Uh, you got Justin Fields, who's largely unproven as well and uh, is dealing with an injury now. And then you have Minnesota, who lost their best player recently, and Justin Jefferson. Um, the question has always been, you know, can Kirk win the big game? Uh, their defenses look shaky there, uh, to say the least, um, especially against the pass and the run. And surprising, too, because Brian Flores is over there in Minnesota as well. Um, so he hasn't really been able to turn that defense around. Uh, yeah, Detroit's got a lot of young talent everywhere, and they really haven't unleashed all of it, in my opinion, yet. Uh, David Montgomery's done a great job in the backfield for them, but I really think that that run game's going to get taken to a new level once Jameer Gibbs gets uh, gets some more NFL C legs under him. I, I think that guy's super talented, uh, dual threat, both running the ball and catching it out of the backfield. Amon Ross St. Brown is one of my favorite receivers, one of my favorite players in the NFL in general. Uh, Fourth-round pick. Uh, if you want to see motivation in a single video, just go look up him naming every receiver that was drafted before him um, in in the uh, the draft where he went. And he rattles off like 15, 20 guys that were were picked before he went in the fourth round. Um, so, yeah, they, they've got that bulldog mentality, man. It's been the case ever since Dan Campbell got there. Uh, and it's really coming to fruition right now. So uh, they should have they should have a pretty easy road the rest of the way. You're right. Um, I didn't put them on my surprise list because I I think that a lot of people had them pegged as the the NFC North winner, uh, especially considering how they finished last year. 
but I think you can make a, a fair point that the magnitude in which they're succeeding is eye-opening. I mean, especially when on their opening night of the NFL season, they go into Arrowhead and knock off the Chiefs. Now, that, of course, was before Travis Kelsey officially started dating Taylor Swift, so maybe we should take that into account. But absolutely great for Detroit. I mean, they they need a winner. That fan base is starved, so it's so good for them and good pick on your part. Yeah, I really think if they can figure out a way to get a win in Baltimore this Sunday, um, I mean, that's been, I think, the biggest knock against Goff the last couple of years is how he fares on the road. And he just had a phenomenal showing in Tampa Bay where they honestly needed him to show out and play the way he did, and he did just that. If they can figure out a way to get a tough win in Baltimore on the road, which for you as a Steelers fan, I'm sure you wouldn't hate that either. Um, Huge Lions fan this week, no doubt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think – if they can figure out a way to pull off a win, they've got another tough game against the Chargers on the road in a couple of weeks, but you could see them rattle off another four or five wins easy, I think, um, in the next few weeks if if they can pull off a win this week. Um, speaking of the Steelers, um, how are you feeling about your team at the moment? You guys had a win this past weekend. Uh, is is Kenny Pickett? We were, we were actually on by We were on by this past weekend, the, the weekend ago. before we got the win. Yep. Two weeks yeah. ago, that's right. Well, uh, did you enjoy the bye week? Are you thanking your lucky stars? I, would, uh, I wish I'd I, had a bye week every week. <laughs> Hang in there, Patrick. Uh, I enjoyed the bye week. You know, I got to uh, – it's a lot more uh, – it's less stressful, to say the least. Hmm. You know, you get to just watch kind of your fantasy teams and your fantasy players play, and I, I just toggle through all of the games on uh, NFL Sunday Ticket, and it's – it's less stressful, but, uh, you know, it still feels a little bit empty not having something to really root for. Obviously, um, you know, my passion for the Steelers supersedes my fantasy football, believe it or not, despite how serious I may take that. How am I feeling about the Steelers? Uh, still pretty uneasy. I mean, Kenny Pickett hasn't looked great. Um, his passer rating hasn't been that solid. There's been a lot of clips where he's missing open receivers. Uh, I don't like his pocket presence so far this year. His footwork hasn't been great. He doesn't do a very good job of sliding up in the pocket. His maneuvering out of the pocket has not been that great. He turns his back to the defense in an effort to scramble, and I, I just think that that's poor technique there, something that I saw him do last year as a rookie and that I'm still seeing now. So that's even more discouraging that that hasn't really been corrected. I just get a little bit nervous when it comes – to the Steelers because they're winning games so far in a way that I find unsustainable. They had two defensive touchdowns against Cleveland on that Monday night game a few weeks back, and they had a lot of good fortune go their way against Baltimore two weeks ago. Multiple drops in the end zone. They were able to force a, a few timely turnovers, but that those elements right there isn't always things that they you can count on week in and week out. You know, those are splash plays that sometimes, not all, but sometimes can be attributed to luck. And so I'm nervous about the Steelers. I think Baltimore looks about as good as I thought they'd look. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati will, will be, uh, they'll be picking up steam in just a matter, matter of weeks here. So we'll see. It's a, it's a very, very dense division. You know, no one's really separated yet, but, you know, still up in the air. You guys have a tough next six weeks on your schedule as well. At the Rams this week, three home games in a row, Jaguars, Titans, Packers. That's 
kind of the easier stretch, I would say. I don't know if Tannehill is going to be healthy enough for that uh, Titans game in a few weeks. I don't even know if he's playing this weekend. Uh, the Jaguars look like they're a tough out. Uh, the Packers, you can't really count them out. And then you have your road gauntlet against the Browns and Bengals after. Um, so I, I've, I've been telling you since the beginning of the year, I like the Steelers a lot this year. The, NF, the AFC North is really, really tough, though, tougher than I anticipated. Uh, the Browns' defense looks like it could be an all-time unit, like that good. Um, they had a huge win uh, this past weekend against the Niners. Um, but you guys beat them in your head-to-head game. You also beat the Ravens in your head-to-head game, so you have that favoring you. You're 2-0 in the division so far. Um, Tiebreakers look good. Tiebreakers yeah. look good. That is big. I think – I wouldn't rule your team out. I know you're a little frustrated with the offense and how things are going, and, and I agree there are some uh, sustainability concerns with how they're winning games, but I would also argue that Tomlin's been winning the, that way in Pittsburgh for years, right? <laughs> At least that's what it seemed been- like. The last few he's years. been going he's been going nine and eight in pittsburgh for years <laughs> hey man i'll be honest i would take him in new england right now in a freaking heartbeat um i don't even want to talk about my team if, if you want we can i think there's no better team ah, please do please 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 give me because you know what i listen to 98.5 the sports hub up here in boston and it, it's quite hilarious oh, yeah. to hear all of the uh, all of the townies going up and down the south shore calling in so i'd love to hear your opinion on it too um, I probably won't say much that's too far different from what those guys are saying. Um, if I had to pick any team that would be my biggest faller for the second half, um, I, I would actually start with the Giants. Uh, I think that they're probably the only team that looks about as bad, if not worse, than us right now. Um, but we probably take the edge. Um, I don't even know. Carolina. Yeah, Sorry I, to interrupt you. You forgetting Carolina? I do. I mean, forget Bryce Carolina. Young. Bryce Young looks okay. I've seen some spurts, but the, they're the only team without a win. They're at least scoring points. I'm wondering about um, they're at least scoring points. My, myself, uh, the Patriots and the Giants, I believe, are the only two teams left that have yet to score uh, 100 points this season. I could be wrong. I need to double check, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Uh, yes, that is correct. Patriots. No, there's one other. Uh, actually, there's a couple others. Your Steelers only have. Uh, 79 points. Uh, the two teams with less points than that this year are my Patriots with 72 and the Giants with 71. Uh, there's a couple other teams in that like 90 to 100 point range. Uh, Browns, the Falcons, and the Bucks. But yeah, it's since Brady left, it's been kind of a steady decline. And even in Brady's last year, you, you saw a little bit of the cracks uh, showing with the skill position players and, and how the team was coached. Um, I think in the, in the Cam Newton year that we had the immediate year after, I, I was kind of impressed with how the coaching staff did. We went seven and nine that year, and, and I felt like it could have been way worse. How we got to even close to 500, I, I didn't – that was the impressive part to me. I, I thought it was a master coaching job by Bill. The defense was great that year. Mac Jones' rookie year, it was kind of the same thing. Squeak into the playoffs, defense was great. Offense had some moments. Even he had some moments. But last year and this year, I don't know if it starts with – the decision to hire a defensive coordinator as an offensive coordinator last year, or if it goes way back with just the guys we've been drafting, the guys we've been bringing in. Um, I actually had this conversation with my dad a couple of days ago. Um, You have a quarterback on a rookie deal. We had 
$120 million plus in cap space last year, and then over $100 million in cap space the year before. And we actually spent a lot of that money. But I don't know who we spent it on because it's not like, well, I know who we've spent it on, but it's not like it's been worthwhile buys. None of those guys have done anything. Hunter Henry, Bust, Johnny Smith now plays with the Falcons. Uh, the guys that I wish we kept, Stephon Gilmore, who just made a game-winning play for the Cowboys on primetime the other night. We don't have him anymore. Um, I think the end of Bill Belichick's days in New England are pretty close by. I don't know if that happens this year. There's a small part of me that is scared to believe that someone in New England who makes decisions is going to say, who better to start a rebuild, to, to be the father of the rebuild than Bill Belichick? Who better to have handpicking guys start from the ground up than one of the best coaches ever? But he really hasn't coached that well the last couple of years. We've had too many dumb decisions, dumb mistakes, whether it's penalties, turnovers, whatever. Uh, that game against the Raiders that we lost on a, on a, the last play last year, I still go back and think to that game all the time. And then we had a loss to the Raiders this past week to our former offensive coordinator and two of our former backup quarterbacks. One of them actually backed up Mac Jones, the guy that we have currently as our starter for a while. Um, yeah, man. Lawyer, baby. Don't it's, sleep on him. <laughs> it's rough times in New England, and, and I don't see it getting better. Um, the worst possible outcome of this one in four start, one in five start, is actually that we start to win games. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but if we win a game from here on out for the rest of the season, we're doing things wrong. Um, our best chance is just to what? tear everything down, trade the good guys that we have left, get some new heads in the in the front office or coaching staff. I don't know if I want Bill picking players anymore. I, I really liked the Tristan Gonzalez pick in the first round of the draft. We actually had a great draft this past year, um, but ultimately the rest of the roster is just too poor to make up for the weaknesses that we have in, in coaching, O-line, quarterback position, lack of depth. Um, yeah, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for sure. I still tune in. I still watch my team, but it's cruel and unusual punishment at this point. What, what about trading Bill? I've heard that rumor floated out. He might be the only asset you guys have. I don't know. I think we have Judon going down for the year hurts. That would have been our biggest asset. I think you probably see us try to move on from Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, um, maybe even Zeke. We trade away at some point. I don't know. Um, Bill, I, I can see him continuing to coach elsewhere. I still think he will try to chase down that Don Shula all-time wins record, but um, he's going to break the all-time losses record first. That's just a fact at this point. Um, that, that's that's going to happen this year. Um, I don't really know who else would take him. Um, I think probably the best landing spot for him would be Los Angeles, the Chargers. If he was going to move anywhere, you get a quarterback, Justin Herbert. Um, you get a pretty talented offense. They've got some talented players on the defense as well. Um, and I, I think the Chargers, you know, with that loss to the Cowboys, they have a few more of those. But Brandon Staley doesn't look too great as a head coach. You can see them try to make a move, maybe even midseason. Um, so I, I don't know. I think the future is up in the air in New England and in a lot of different areas. Um, it's it's a reality of the situation. Uh, it's crazy to think that we've gotten to this point so fast. We last won a two Super Bowl in 2019. That was four years ago. So it's pretty quick going from first to worst 
and uh, in that short of a time span, it's it's very jarring and uncharted territory for me, who's in his mid twenties as a Patriots fan. <laughs> no one stays on top of the mountain forever. Doesn't matter what sport, what team. Yeah, well, the bottom of the mountain sucks. Reaper comes for everybody. <laughs> bottom of the mountain sucks. Um, other news notes around the NFL. Um, flag football coming to the Olympics as of our next Olympic cycle. Um, this has been a fun topic. I think it's 2028, by the way. So I don't, I don't think that's the next. Okay, so it'll summer be summer Olympics. After. Although I, I get mine mixed up. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. I think. Um, what do you think about this move? Do you do you like it? Love it? Hate it? I think it's good for the game personally, especially with how many international games we've seen recently. Um, I think it could grow the sport uh, across across the waters beyond the U.S. a little bit. Yeah, I, I like it. I just want – I just hope that actual NFL players or at least former NFL players are the ones playing. You know, mm. it's you, – you see – and like, let's take baseball, for example, they recently brought that back to the Summer Olympics, but no professional players uh, played in it. You know, what I like in the Winter Olympic sense is, you know, the hockey guys take a break in the middle of their season whenever the Winter Olympics rolls around and they'll go all play for their respective countries. I think it'd be pretty cool if we actually saw current NFL players go play in the Olympics, in the, the flag football Olympics. Uh, you know, it's non-contact. Obviously, you run the risk of potentially pulling a hammy or something like that, twisting an ankle here or there. But there's should be much lower of a risk for injury. And I hope that we see some NFL players embrace that. I mean, can you imagine, you know, Tyreek Hill out there against, you know, with all due respect to, let's say, someone from Greece or, or you know, Italy. I mean, they're not going to be able to track him down. You know, that would just be awesome to see there. So I, I think that if that happens, I'm going to get a lot more into it. Uh, but, you know, if it's, uh, you know, college washouts or something like that, I think it takes away a little bit of the fun. Um, but there's a lot of guys, I think, in the league right now and recent retirees that that could make it a pretty fun. Darren Sproles is another guy that came to mind. Uh, you imagine Devin Hester back in his prime uh, <laughs> playing flag football. You just kind of toss the ball one. to him. I mean, he wouldn't be caught. That's a good so, one. Yeah. Those are, you are those right. Are it is the uh, 2028 Olympics that flag football will be making its debut. Um, I think that, you know, America has the unfair advantage of an abundance of talent in the sport of football. So as much as I would love to see uh, the big stars going and doing that, I also wouldn't hate seeing like college all-stars do that. Um, I think Maybe you have like, you know, uh, if it's during the summer, it'll be uh, theoretically after the draft. So you could have a combination of incoming rookies or uh, upperclassmen who are projected to be top picks in, in the following year's draft to take part. But obviously the, the star power of um, uh, NFL pro bowlers and, and other guys of that regard coming in, even former players uh, coming into play. I mean, I, I saw – when it was announced, Tyreek Hill already started recruiting guys. I think Rob Gronkowski said something about, yeah, I'll come back and play if, if this is in 24. Um, 2028, he might be a little bit too old out of his prime to do that then, but you never know. Um, Pat Mahomes would love to see leading a flag football offense. That would be borderline unfair. 
they're gonna have to put a mercy rule. I mean, they really are, you know. Yeah. Like if 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 the United States is going up against some small small country who who just you know puts a ragtag group of of athletes together, it's it's gonna be. Yeah, I don't. It's gonna be too unfair. I don't really want to see us going toe to toe with Trinidad and Tobago for four quarters. Uh, but hey. uh, if, if if Trinidad and Tobago is going toe to toe with us for four quarters, something went drastically, drastically wrong because <laughs> they should never be going toe to toe with us for four quarters. I can't think of a country who can. I I, I really can't. I can't. Uh, Canada. I, uh, Canada maybe band together some Canadian football. Right. Players. That's the only only country I could think of. Well, only if- country that maybe. Australia would definitely have the advantage uh, in terms of punting in the flag football sport. They'd have a great punting team. Um, you might get some good German players in there, a couple of Canadians. I, to be honest, I'm not familiar with enough of the um, international players in the NFL or guys who would have citizenship for other countries. That's the part that interests me the most because um, you see it all the time in sports like soccer or baseball. Um, guys will play for and represent countries that you wouldn't necessarily think of for them. Um, perfect example. Um, oh, who was the guy from, uh, from the Cardinals who played on team Japan this past year? It's, I can't believe I don't remember his name. Um, uh, you know who I'm talking about, but I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Lars, uh, Lars, something, um, Lars, new bar, Lars, new bar. He played on the on the Japanese team. He was the only American guy in the clubhouse. Didn't understand anything that his coach uh, was telling him. Didn't even. Oh, uh, Lars Newbar. Yeah, Lars Newbar. Lars Newbar. So I, I think that would be interesting. Like maybe you have I don't know, like, yeah. uh, like, Tua Tagovailoa playing for like Samoa or something. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to pick a random person place, but. Mahomes, I would love to see. I actually would love to see Mike McDaniel calling plays for that flag football Olympic team. Um, you got to get some some burners in there on the outside. Tyreek, you have to have Justin Jefferson. You'd probably have to have um, – I guess it would be like a quarterback, a running back, and then five receivers. I don't even know. I'd have to look more. I imagine it would just be like seven on seven. If you ever, yeah. uh, for anybody who's played football, I mean, we would always do seven on seven drills. So you have a tight end in there. I think there would technically be a center. I think you have to have somebody snap the ball, but then yeah, right. after that, it's, it's the center, the quarterback, and then the the skill positions after that. Right. I actually wanted to go back to one of your points uh, about some of the other countries you'd face. You brought up Australia. I got me thinking about, um, some of the countries that play rugby as well that might they take a stab mm. at this and try to play a, uh, I didn't a different style, that. a different style game than we would. They would try to you know kind of run the lateral game and just try to scoop up as many yards per play. I think that that might be the best way to try to neutralize our talent. Um, it'd be a game that they're probably more familiar with. It might throw our defenses off a little bit. So that that got me thinking that it would it would be countries like australia i believe um new zealand is another big rugby rugby country ireland as well so uh, that would be interesting to see that'd be interesting to see a uh, clash of styles there between the american game and, and, and a rugby game i didn't even think about that side of it that's a that's a great point and um 
I mean, hey, you never know. Maybe later down the road, it leads to some international quarterbacks coming into the football, coming into the National Football League. Maybe you get uh, your first British quarterback leading an NFL offense. Who knows? Who knows? The world's full of possibilities if flag football is going to be in the Olympics. That's for sure. <laughs> it is indeed. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break here. We got plenty more sports topics for you ahead. We'll come back in a few moments. Uh, with some fantasy football stuff and some baseball stuff as well. All right, welcome back. Uh, Back from the break, uh, talking some more football. This time we're segueing to the fantasy realm of the football world. Um, I've referred to Paul here a couple times as Kamish or Commissioner. Kamish for short, of course, he is the commissioner of a fantasy football league that we're both part of. Paul took the lead on running this uh, five or six years ago, right? This is the league's sixth year, yeah. six years ago. It's crazy. Um, uh, thanks again for you for setting it all up. You, you're still drafting up a league manager note right now for our group of 24 guys. So Sure um, I am. By the time everybody listens to this, it, the league manager note will be out on the street, but oh yeah. now they'll know they'll know why the league manager note came in a little bit late on Wednesday <laughs> night. <laughs> Paul does a great job running our league. Uh, very dedicated. One of the best commissioners I know. Certainly one of the more involved. Uh, he's got his fingerprints all over this thing. Uh, for those who are turning in for the first time, uh, just give a brief backstory on the league and uh, where we are at now compared to when we started. Yeah, so I appreciate you giving me the floor on this because uh, this league really has turned into a gem more so than I, I could have ever dreamed it would. So it started back the fall of what would have been my junior year. So that would have been the fall of 2018, if I remember correct. And um, that was the first year after I had been on the the club team. So I tried out for the club team as a sophomore and I thought it would be a cool way to uh, kind of pass the time in the fall. I was uh, currently doing a a co-op rotation in Anderson, South Carolina. So I was away from the University of South Carolina, um, getting some some real work experience and away from the team that fall. So I thought it'd be a good way to, to stay in touch. And so I just kind of put the feelers out there. And obviously, given that our team is roughly 20 or 20, 25 people at the time, whatever it was, it, it put me in a weird spot to uh, to do a league. I mean, once you get past 12, it that starts to be just a little bit too much for a league. So I thought, how about we do how about we divide this straight down the middle? At the time, it was just 20 members. I'll get to the league expansion in just a minute here. At the time, it was 20 members. And so I broke it up into two leagues of 10. And winner of each league plays each other. And the way that I do that is I just have the regular or the the season itself end um, one week before probably your typical fantasy season ends. And then you still set your lineup the following week. And the winner of the other league sets their line up the following week. And I, I make sure that everybody sends screenshots and so that everybody's aware of uh, the point totals for their opposition. And I, I keep them updated because the members in one league can't see what, what's going on in the other league. You know, I mean, you're only the member. I I can see both because I'm the commissioner of both. And so I actually I actually share membership with 
one of the members in the league that I'm not in. So this year I'm not in club black. I am a co-manager. If you look on our standings with, uh, with James Konopinski, former president, I don't know if Jim knows that, but don't worry. I don't, I don't make any moves. There's no, there's no collusion in this league, but anyway, yeah. So that, that's how it kind of got started and a little bit of our format. Um, and it kind of took off from there. Everybody loved it. And like you were alluding to the league manager notes, I, I started doing those that year. I don't, I didn't do them as frequently as I do now, but I thought that was another good way for everybody to stay connected. I, I think that that is kind of fantasy football in a nutshell, right? I mean, it's, it allows us to, to stay in touch. And um, after we move away from each other, after we all graduate college, we're in different parts of the country. Um, and it, it's a great way for us to stay in touch. We have something in common, something that we're all striving for. So that was kind of the the birthing of the league manager note itself. And, and everybody kind of loved it. And um, I liked reading it. I, I like writing as well. So it's a, it's a pleasure to do it. Um, on to league expansion. So this year we expanded from 20 teams to 24 to try to incorporate uh, some other members from the team who were not part of the league initially, who now wanted to be part of the league. So we expanded to from 20 to 24 teams, and now our leagues are two leagues of 12. And so we have a Club Garnet League and a Club Black, because this obviously is the, the South Carolina Club Fantasy League. So we need to keep our Garnet and Black ties and our roots deep-rooted within the Fantasy League itself. So the winner of Club Garnet will play Club Black at the end of the year for the ultimate title. Um, Buy-in was $75 this year uh, with 24 times 75. So that's roughly $1,800 pot. And it's our biggest pot that we've ever seen. And it just keeps going up and up every year. So I'm super excited for it. The other great thing I think about expanding the league is that now we have 12 playoff spots six in each league as opposed to eight. So now it increases the playoff pool should add, um, should add more teams in the mix and should keep more teams relevant as the season goes along. So I'm excited about that as well. Previously, we were just doing the top four in each league. Um, so eight teams total top four out of 10 would make it in each division. So that's where we are right now. Uh, it's been a great season so far, you know, with uh, the newcomers have struggled a little bit. I'm not too surprised. I mean, there's a learning curve in this league, you know, just about everybody takes it pretty seriously. And uh, I really appreciate that because that makes it more fun for, for everybody else when everybody's setting their lineups and everybody's doing everything they can uh, throughout the week to to win. I mean, for those of you that don't know, and don't play fantasy. It's, it's a week long thing, man, that, that, that week, as soon as Monday night ends, you got to start hitting that waiver wire Tuesday and uh, see what those best pickups are. And then you got a game Thursday now and, and, uh, and then you hit the weekend. So that's the brief background on the league. Like you said, uh, we've been going strong for six years now and uh, there ain't no stopping us now. So it's, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. It's a pleasure to drive that ship. Pleasure to be a part of it for me as well. Um, I'm involved in <clears throat> some other leagues and uh, have fun with those, but um, the, competitiveness of this league is pretty hard to top there's there's a good bit of guys who know what they're doing um i i believe i'm the longest tenured member of our leagues that has yet to make the playoffs so the playoff expansion is, is, is huge for me personally i'm, I'm hoping i can squeak in this year um i had a 4-0 start which 
Uh, I think everybody and their brother who knows someone in our league probably heard about at some point um, while that was happening. Not anymore. But, um, yeah, I, I think your point, uh, seeing the connectivity of it and seeing how the league has grown over the last few years. When, I, when I've talked to friends of mine who are in different leagues, um, I don't know of anybody else who has the two separate leagues combined to one. Uh, one real just small detail with that, those were not all – it's not all 24 teams drafting from the same pool of players. Well, well, it is, but like 12 teams get what pool, and then the other 12 teams get another pool. So it's not yeah, like – yeah. As far as ESPN concerns or as far as what they see on their end, it is two completely independent leagues that you know draft their players. So for those of you out there wondering, at the end of the day, yes, the – teams that meet in the championship can have common players. And right. uh, we, what we've always done is left that up to the teams in the championship to decide what they want to do, whether to keep those players in the starting lineup and essentially cancel out points because the scoring is obviously identical. Um, that's the route that everybody's taken so far. Uh, I know that there are a couple members if he's listening, Noah Sprinkle, my former roommate, um, is adamant that common players should be benched. That's always an option. It's just one that um, it's just one that the past champions have not have not taken yet. And what I mean by common players being benched is that if uh, the two teams squaring off in the championship have the same player, let's say they both have Christian McCaffrey on their team, they, they can come to an agreement that okay, you have to bench Christian McCaffrey here and they'll both bench Christian McCaffrey and I guess it would essentially test which team has the the greater depth for the for the championship game but like I said we haven't seen that scenario arise yet we've seen common players on both teams but they've uh they've always just been started and the points canceled again I I've not played in the playoffs yet so I I was not aware of that (laughs) but it's good that I now have that nugget in the back of my head on on the off chance I end up running into a Keenan Allen led squad in the championship game. We'll see what happens. Let me school you, Patrick, as somebody who has not only made the playoffs, but won the whole thing before Super oh, Bowl wow. two champion, okay. Super yeah. Bowl two champ. Here's your moment, Kamish. Take it, <laughs> run with it. Thank Enjoy you. It. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what in your mind, besides obviously the more players uh, this year, what's, what do you think is the biggest difference this year compared to the, the first five years that we've that we've done the league um you know i mean the the magnitude of players is one thing there um i think this isn't different this year from last but last year we instituted a a waiver wire budget for claiming players so you know a lot of leagues will have your waiver wire order set to the inverse order of the standings uh, which kind of rewards the the teams at the bottom they'll get top priority for claiming guys last year I made the switch to go to a waiver wire budget. Actually, it might have been two years ago. Now that I'm thinking of it, but it adds a it adds another element. Um, adds more strategy to to picking up guys, and it doesn't just reward the team that gets off to a slow start. You know, the most pivotal waiver wire period. A lot of people will tell you for fantasy is the first couple of weeks, particularly the first week. When you have, I mentioned him earlier, Puka Nakua, for example, a guy that bursts onto the scene that wasn't on anybody's radar on draft day. And he emerges as a viable option, not just for a team to pick up, but also to start. And 
you can just have somebody with a bad first or second week just reap the rewards of you know, an off day that came at the right time. And I just didn't really think that that was right. So we have the waiver wire budget now where it's a bidding process and every team is rewarded $100 at the beginning of the year to bid on um, free agents in the waiver claim period as they see fit uh, throughout the course of the year. And then other than that, yeah, it's it's the addition of uh, more teams and it's the, uh, the added playoff spots. And not only that, but uh, we'll have first round buys for the first time in league history this year. So it gives um, an added something to play for, uh, you know, previously it didn't really matter what your seed was. I mean, there's no real home field advantage in fantasy, but now there's a significant um, motivation to get those top two spots in each league. And I, you know, it should just create added excitement from week one to the final week of the regular season and beyond um, for, for more teams than we've seen previously. So that's what I'm most excited about. I gotcha. Um, so continue to go down this, uh, fantasy football rabbit hole just for our league specifically, um, for, I guess, since, since I can't see club Garnet side of things, do you want to touch a little bit on what, what you're seeing out of club Garnet? And then I'll try to be as unbiased as I can for club black and, and you can add into it. Sure thing. Okay. So, uh, Club Garnet, I'll, I'll jump right into it. Uh, EJ, uh, who's been a, a staunch member of, of this league ever since the second year, I do not believe he was one of the original members. He is 6-0 and uh, currently, the last undefeated team left. Uh, if he's listening, he might get a little mad at me for saying this. I don't think he's the best team in, in Club Garnet, but um, he's been pretty consistent all year. He's uh, been consistently at or above 100 points per game and he had just an unbelievably crazy win against Bob on Monday night football uh Justin Herbert's interception on the final final play for the Chargers uh gave negative two to to Bob who's a co-defending champ of course uh co-champ uh because of the uh incident with DeMar Hamlin last year but um Bob was up one point and EJ was uh got the victory after the interception took away two from Bob so it's interesting to see that we still have an undefeated uh, team left. The team that I'm most scared about or would be most scared about come playoff time would be uh, Patrick Parnell's team, AKA the Natty Splats. They uh, have fallen on tough times a little bit uh, lately. They've lost their last two. Um, and this past week's loss has a lot to do with the injury to Justin Jefferson, um, who is of course on IR. Uh, Parnell's got Josh Allen on his team and Justin Jefferson. Those are two of his big hitters. So Josh Allen's been a little bit inconsistent this year, but if he can get back healthy, uh, he leads club Garnet in points. And he obviously made a, a title run last year. He was uh, the other co-defending champ. So he's one of the teams I have pegged that if he can just get in, uh, that'd be very scary. Um, Nons is picking up steam at the right time as well. He knocked me off this past week. He's five and one uh, after a little bit of a slow start. So uh, those are the, some of the guys that stand out uh, to me so far in Club Garnet. Interesting group in that side of the league. Um, a lot of talented managers, guys that have been there, done that. Um, I think there's been a lot of banter between the leagues about guys saying which league has more talent in terms of just who's pulling the strings, who's on the X and O's, not necessarily who's on the rosters. So having that side of the smack talk this year has been uh, 
different, I guess. It's I like that you've switched up the divisions every couple of years. I'm still waiting on, on the year you leave me in the league that does not have Jason Selkoff in it, so I don't have to deal with four I, different trade proposals from him every I, week. But draw, We draw names out of a hat now to see who's in which division, and he, I, I don't know, his, his name sticks to yours like glue. I, can, I can't, I can't explain it. <laughs> well, he probably knows this by now. He's offic- Jason, in general, is officially on my no-trade list. It's, he sent me one today. He sent me um, – He showed me. <laughs> he proposed a deal. It was uh, the Ravens' defense, I think, for Josh Jacobs straight up. He's just trolling me, and, and I know it. I just, I just try not to let it get into my head. I can't wait to play him. I think it's week nine, not that I'm counting or anything. Um, calendars, baby. <laughs> it's been circled. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Club Black, um, we've got um, a couple of newcomers in the league this year, Zach. And Joe Tartaglia, Joe Tartaglia, former president, uh, Zach, former roommate of mine. Um, rough start for those guys into the league, uh, although Zach with a moral victory, some would say with his uh, trade uh, with me, he took George Kittle for uh, – he got back George Kittle, I got back Najee Harris. I, I still think you could see Najee be the better side of that deal as the year goes on, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, we do have some real talent up at the top. I had a hot start 4-0 in the league, but since then I've suffered two consecutive losses, although I will say one of them came in a week where I had my three top wide receivers all on bye weeks. I was pretty much uh, working with a loss as, as soon as kickoff started Thursday night, and, and I knew it. Didn't even help me either that I was playing a hallways team who I think has won four straight, right? Always has one four straight, and uh, I would be remiss if I did not call out. And I hate to do this to you, Patrick. Okay, that bring that, it. That that performance that you're referring to, in which you put up forty one point nine two points, is an all time league low. It is the lowest amount of points ever scored in a single match it in was league brutal. history. I had. I need to bring this up just to like defend myself a little bit more. Uh, I had. Three of my top receivers all on bye weeks. Anthony uh, Richardson, who is my quarterback, played, uh, I don't know, like half a quarter and then went out for the rest of the game. Um, and then I had a no zero point showing from Hunter Henry. The Cowboys defense had negative points and everybody else scored in single points except for Josh Jacobs, who had 17 and a half to bring me a grand total of 41.92 points in a fantasy football weekend. Yeah, that was the worst weekend that I've ever had in general in fantasy football and the worst weekend that's ever happened in our club. Uh, but like I said, I kind of expected it as I went into it. Um, we'll see if it's the only one loss at the end of the day, only one what, loss. that's what I was thinking. I actually, I, I used to, it's not that I, I didn't go into the draft thinking, all right, I'm going to stack my bye weeks in my wide receiver group. It just kind of happened. And I didn't hate the idea of it instead of trying to find a, fourth and fifth wide receiver kind of as the year goes on um but anyways um uh hallways team actually i think is one of the scariest ones to play in our league right now um i didn't even play him with a full roster fully healthy roster if if i did i still would have been scared and he might have still beat me that week uh probably would have um konopinski i play this week and and uh i think that could be a pretty close game neither of us have have full squads and he's dealing with an injury with uh, Kyron Williams out. Um, but Colin McCulloch's got a great team. Tim item has the lead uh, lead in our league right now with a five and one record. Um, 
And that's not mentioning guys like Jason and uh, Sprinkle, uh, Cooper Mallinger. Sprinkle and, and Jason are right behind me in the standings right now. They're both at 500 with a three and three record, but you see a couple of good weeks out of them. They could climb their way back into the playoff standings. Um, I, I, if I had to pick who I think the best team from our league is right now, um, it's close. I think that the top three in the standings are pretty accurate. I, I, I don't want to speak too highly of my own team because I'm trying not to be biased. I think that I have a chance of playing well at the end, but I do think there's some other teams ahead of me with some uh, clear strengths that I do not have as much of. Um, if I had to pick a team besides myself right now to make it to that championship game, I would say Hallway's got a great shot, and I think Tim has a great shot if all of his running backs are healthy. But will all of his running backs ever be healthy at the same time? I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to see what happens. Tim's got a running back group of Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, uh, Zaquan Barkley, uh, and then he also has um, – uh, Debo Samuel, Josh Allen, Mark Andrews. Uh, he's got he's got a pretty talented group. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but I I'm not ruling out the Walmart Broncos led by Jason. I he's got Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase now. Yeah. He you know he's probably not done wheeling and dealing. He he's got a good group. I, I'm yeah I'm not I'm not ruling him out. He's he's done some good managerial work as he always does. Well, I'm sure he'll find a way to. I don't know. He'll probably within the next couple of weeks end up trading Justin Tucker for Tua or something crazy like that. Let's see who does Justin. He Tucker... already he already got Cooper Cup for David Montgomery, which actually looked bad for him at, at the start. But now with Montgomery hurt a little bit and Cooper Cup looking back to old form, don't even get me started, guys. Yeah. If you're listening, don't trade with Jason. Just don't do it. I I don't care if this is collusion. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> set it to the commission myself um who would be your favorite team from club black i guess you just picked jason uh i think i honestly i didn't want to say it but his team has been really hot lately he's got a good future ahead of him in the next like six or seven weeks or so yeah i mean hallway stands out too i i, I like jason there as well um I like him more. I was thinking of him more as a team right now that's not at the very top of the standings that that could continue to rise um, he's made the playoffs five out of the six years that the league's been in existence. That is tied with uh, Sprinks for the most. That's an extremely impressive feat, considering the fact that only eight teams out of the, the total 20 and only four out of 10 in each league in the previous years made it. Just the math never works in your favor. And the fact that he's done it five out of six times is extremely impressive. Uh, I also wanted to talk about one other team that I forgot to mention on the club garment side, if it's okay. Yep. Quietly, quietly second in the league in points on our side is a former champion, uh, Wade Biltoft, who okay. his team name is Injured Reserve. And he named it that because he didn't know how to use the Injured Reserve uh, slot at the beginning of the year he did not know how he's won it he's won a championship by the way and he didn't know how to use injured reserve <laughs> he's got the second most points in the league uh some of his big hitters he got cooper cup back as well he's got raheem mostert who's uh leading the league leading the nfl in touchdowns right now so those are some of his big guys um, he's got, he needs a little bit of help at quarterback right now, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't throw out Wade. He's three and three, got off to a little bit of a rocky start, but he's back to 500 in, in the playoff picture as we speak right now. So 
I'm looking, I'm looking at those two teams on each side as, as teams that are on the rise and that could, could rise up through the standings. Hey, don't forget about your Long Island iced tea bags. I'm, I'm not forgetting about the tea bags. Believe me, nobody's forgetting about the Long Island iced tea bags. Teabag Nation, we got a big game this week. We're going to need you in full force uh, on a home turf. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, we're going to try to keep uh, y'all who tune into the podcast informed on our fantasy league week to week. We'll give you some updates, keep things going. Um, if it's something you want to hear more about, let us know. We'll let you hear more about it. Um, certainly, I think for for Paul and I as as friends, colleagues, uh, former teammates, it's it's one of the aspects of our uh, football and sports lives that we probably appreciate the most. And uh, we're happy to share as, as long as y'all are happy to listen. Um, we do need to talk about baseball a little bit. We actually have a playoff game going right now as we speak between the Astros and the Rangers. Astros are still up, right? They're up 5-2 um, last I checked. I'm checking the score right now. Um, it is eight to four Astros in the top of the eighth. So Houston looking there like go. they're going to get their first win of the series as it stands. Uh, much needed win at home. Um, what are what have your thoughts been on on the playoffs so far? Uh, what do you want to touch on? Uh, what's on your mind, Commissioner Paul, about a about the good old fashioned Major League Baseball playoffs right now? Uh, it's the new format that they've done it, um, within the past couple of years now, adding the wild card slot. To me, I, my biggest takeaway the past couple of years has been just get in. I, it really, this year has really exemplified that just because you had a strong regular season, just because you might have rattled off 100 wins, it, it really gets thrown out the window and in baseball more so than any other sport. And you take a look at the Orioles, a great strong season with a lot of young talent they get 100 wins and they don't win a game in the playoffs they get swept you know atlanta goes down in the divisional round with 100 wins i'm not 100 percent sure if the dodgers had 100 wins themselves but they get swept as well you know those were the three teams with the three best records and you know record really does get thrown out the window on this one and and it kind of de-emphasizes it's looking like it's de-emphasizing home field advantage Although I wouldn't go so far as to say that, you know, home field advantage is neutralized or it's not relevant in baseball because you take a look at Citizens Bank Park every night for Philadelphia. And I mean, those fans are rocking. That looks like a, an absolutely difficult place to play. But I think it gives hope for some of the smaller market teams now that there's more more variance and um, more chance involved. In, in actually making a run with the extra wild card round. Uh, it's my biggest takeaway right now. I, you know, the Phillies are the team that I like the best to win. I mean, I don't like the Phillies. I actually can't stand the Phillies, but uh, that's the team I would peg to win the, the series right now. And, you know, they came out of the wild card slot, didn't win their division. So it's my, my biggest uh, about yours. My pick at the beginning of the year for the World Series was Astros Braves. Obviously, the Braves are no longer there. Um, Astros still could make it, but Houston's like a, looking like a very formidable foe, um, or Texas, I should say. Uh, the Rangers have surprised me a little bit. I actually, um, when they trailed off a little bit at the end of the year, I, I wasn't sure if they were going to make the playoffs. And I wasn't sure how they were going to do when they actually made it. I didn't know how I felt about their bullpen and, and so on and so on. But um, they've looked really strong so far. Uh, the Phillies, I think are probably going to keep on running through the Diamondbacks like they have in games one and two. They look like an absolute buzzsaw right now. Playing at Citizens Bank Park looks like one of the more challenging things you can do in the game of baseball currently if you're if you're a road player. Um, 
even if you're not a fan of them, you can appreciate how how passionate that fan base is. That is that place is lit up every every time they got a home game. It's it's impressive to watch. Oh, it's nuts! It's nuts! Uh, it's um again, I'm I'm a huge Boston sports fan, huge Red Sox fan. I would never change my loyalties as far as that go. But I, I said in our group chat the other day that makes me want to go to a a playoff game in Philly just to experience that. It looks like an absolute madhouse and quite a fun time um i personally don't think i saw some folks calling for changes for the playoff format personally um i think they should just keep it as it is for a few years it's not like we've seen it every single year where all the lower seated teams knock off all the top seated teams um if this is something that happens a few years in a row obviously it could be something maybe they look at but we just changed the playoff system a couple of years ago and we changed it again a couple of years ago before that. Personally, I would love some just consistency, continuity as far as that goes. Uh, I think teams this year or going into next year are going to see how what a wild card spot can do for you. And like you were saying, like all you need to do is get in. Um, we actually did not see quite as many teams making deadline moves this year as, as you might have expected with that extra playoff spot. Uh, my Red Sox were one of those teams that kind of decided to just sort of stand pat at the deadline when they could have maybe made a couple of moves to try and increase their chances. Maybe if they do that, there's a GM in Boston that still has a job right now. You never know. Um, I think the Phillies are probably going to keep winning games. Personally, I, I don't care who they play in the next round. The Astros, obviously, if, with their success this decade, you have to say um, the World Series kind of runs through Houston. You have to you have to play them at some point, probably, and such is the case again this year. Um, but ultimately, I, I like where the playoff format is at. I think um, scheduling is the only thing I would change about it, just making more primetime games available for, for people to watch and take part in. Um, I don't mind that the games are mostly on TBS and Fox, but I don't love it either. I, I think – MLB could do some good getting away from the afternoon weekday playoff games on TBS and maybe trying to present it a little bit differently. Yeah. It's just not, it's no other league does it that way. Nobody else. I don't know why baseball is the one that does it. Even NHL is going to be full-time on ESPN nowadays. Uh, That's not a knock on the NHL. I'm just saying they're doing it the right way. Whereas baseball is, uh, has seemed a little bit behind the other sports the last few years in different ways. And I think they've caught up in some areas, um, but there's still a couple of different ways. Just go and do the same thing that March Madness does in the, in the opening rounds where they put the games on TBS, TNT, I guess MLB doesn't have a contract with CBS, but um, I know they got one with, TBS and I think TNT as well. Why not have the games on TBS, TNT, and True TV? You could stagger the start times by maybe 20, 30 minutes, but you could cover them on all those channels and then everybody could have their, you know, own viewership. Well, the and then difference you also can spread it out to Fox and Fox Sports One if if need be. I think that there's enough channels and viewing platforms to do this. I don't disagree with you. The only difference is that you gotta think during March Madness, most people are, a lot of people are streaming those games. They're not even watching on live TV anymore. They've got their March Madness app and they've got all the different games going at once. You can't stream. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't stream major league baseball playoff games through the MLB platform. So as far as I'm aware of, at least I, I, I get, um, 
uh, the MLB TV package every year. I don't, unless I'm doing it wrong or not tuning in or just totally unaware, I don't believe you can watch playoff games on MLB TV. You have to actually watch it. No, on the, on the, I was referring to. I was just saying, you know, through your cable provider or yeah. uh, YouTube TV or some sort of platform like that. Right. But maybe that is too old school with all the streaming. I am. I'm starting to get a little bit out of touch with the young kids these days. Oh, me too, brother. Me too. <laughs> no, I. I don't know. I think um, the popularity of baseball is growing slowly, and I think you might see that over the next five years or so, really start to make itself clear. And then hopefully as that begins to uh, show, the league will make some changes in, in um, how it presents its products at the end of the year. Um, I certainly wouldn't hate it, but I think baseball is in a good spot overall. Um, the world changes this year helped. That's, that's for yeah, sure. yeah. Total, it seems like a totally different game. And it's uh, – I. it wasn't – it's weird. I, like, I worked – as a pitch clock operator in minor league baseball, the year that it was introduced. And I remember the first few games thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't know if this is going to work. Like nobody seems to be on the same page. I'm not even sure what I'm doing or if I'm doing it right. And I'm the one who's controlling this pitch clock that everybody playing has to abide by. Um, But as that season went on, it became more natural. The players got used to it. I think you're seeing players really used to it in the big leagues. Now I, watching the playoffs games um, nobody's having any violations anymore i don't think players even notice it i think it's just like a second nature to them at this point um and then yeah and the stolen bases have been up too and that was awesome we saw the the 40 70 season from acuna which uh probably wouldn't have been possible if they hadn't changed the rules uh, i mean it brought stolen bases back all together um We'll, uh, we'll have to see if, if these teams can finish off the job in the championship series. And then uh, maybe next week we do a little World Series preview before the big, before the big show. Yeah, you know the Astros. So you're talking about how everything runs through Houston. You know, no team has ever fallen down 2-0 and come back when, they, when they're down 2-0 and they got to go on the road. So the teams have come back from down 2-0, but in their circumstance, since they lost the first two games at home, no team yeah. has ever lost the first two games at home and ended up winning a championship series. So Gotcha. Um, I don't. I will say all those games are going to be in Texas regardless, so I don't know how much. Yeah, it might not be a huge deal. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really tuned into those fan bases super well, so um might have to call up old James James Grant and see what he says. <laughs> uh, James, big country, if you're watching. Love you, brother. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we've got just a couple minutes left before we got to wrap up here. So uh, we're going to make this a mainstay of our program as long as we do it. Uh, Paul, I wouldn't necessarily – I don't want to out you. You're a betting man, right? Maybe a little bit. I gamble a little bit. It's legal in Massachusetts, so okay, so great. don't you know, don't beguile me, don't berate me. What's uh, give me give me your best bet for the weekends or or for the coming week? What's a what's a line or or a team that you're looking sharply at over the next few? So, uh, I haven't really dug into the to the college football slate yet, uh, so I, I would not want to suggest a bet to our our listeners without doing due research on it. But let's stick with the topic of baseball. Uh, as we close here, I would say if you can go find an adjusted or a live 
series outcome between the Phillies and Diamondbacks, go take the Phillies to sweep the series. I was so thinking you're the same thing. You're, you're essentially parlaying the Phillies to win game three and game four. I think that that is a great move. I don't trust um, Brendan Fott. I believe that's how you say his last name. It's like P-F-A-A-D-T. Uh, rookie for the Diamondbacks. who's going to be pitching and starting in game three. He's been a little bit shaky. His ZRA was right around five this year. I think the Phillies keep on rolling, go up 3-0. And then after that, I think it's a death sentence for, for Arizona. So take the Phillies in four if you can find a live series bet in the okay. NCS. My, uh, I'm going parlay as well, actually, but I'm going to be using football for my base. Uh, I'm combining our teams together, Paul. I, I'm saying that uh, the Steelers are going to cover plus three in Los Angeles this week. The Rams are without a running game this weekend. I think it's practically a home game for you in Los Angeles as well. Should be. That is true. Uh, and then I think my Patriots are definitely going to get at least beat by nine points against the Bills. Um, personally, I think all the Bills are going to have to do to make that line a thing is score like 13 points. Um, if we score two touchdowns against them this weekend, I will be thoroughly impressed and kind of happy. And I'll take it as a moral victory. So uh, Bills minus eight and a half paired with Steelers plus three would be uh, my bet of the weekend if you had to make one. But trust Paul Moore is what I would say. He's more experienced, better. Tell us or fade us. We're either <laughs> making you money or losing you money. You choose. Yeah, seriously. Choose. Um, all right. Well, this has been our first uh, episode of 2023 for the program. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, all the above. Thanks for tuning in with us. We'll have plenty more content coming for you in the weeks ahead uh, as more sports occur. Uh, basketball, hockey, right around the corner. World Series on the way. Uh, I'm Patrick DeMar. This is Paul Kashak, Commissioner. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Have a wonderful night. Thanks for having me, Patrick.